Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDBAM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, have you recovered from your 4th of July celebrations? Of course I have. Yeah? Yeah. Your, your travel and... Two baseball games, some golf, a vineyard. It's a tough life. Yeah, it was tough. We'll get into it. We may have Larry Boa in a second. We're, we're waiting to see if we, we get him on the line. But, I mean, you got to see some fun baseball. Well, I, So I have a suggestion, yeah. which is can we trade the Phillies for the A's? Oh, God. Is there any way we can switch them? <laughs> Why? Because, well, well, first of all, they're a better team. Okay. And, and they do it with a whole lot less money every year. I mean, Billy Bean, yes, he hasn't gotten the World Series, but look what he's able to do with that team every year and somehow manage to make them exciting. And, and I got to tell you, everybody talks about that stadium being a dump. It wasn't that bad. I was going to ask what it was like to be out in Oakland. No, it w- it was not that bad, and the fans were great. They actually had to stop selling tickets. So and unlike a lot of because it's, it's this is the last one that's football and baseball. Yeah, and so we'll get to the rest of your trip, your your stop in San Francisco. But we've got him on the line. Great to have Philly's great Larry Boa back with us. Larry, thanks for giving us a few minutes today. All right, my pleasure. Larry, we're getting excited for All-Star Weekend, so we figured we'd start there before we get into your world of television and what's going on in baseball. You you were a five-time All-Star starting in the first game you went to. What was your reaction to making the first All-Star game, and what was that like? Well, it was obviously it was incredible for someone that never played high school baseball, never got drafted. And, you know, walking in there and, and seeing the great name plates on, on the on the wall, you know, Johnny Bench. And I, I mean, I could name them all, but uh, it's almost surreal. You know, you'd walk in and you go, man, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm in this thing. And uh, back then, though, it wasn't like a showcase game. It, it was for all the marbles. And you literally, you had the team president from Beach League go and talk to the respective teams and told them how important it was to win these games. Um, it was like, it was. it felt like a playoff game as I look back on it. I mean, there, there was no... Uh, hugging guys at second base and stuff like that. You were trying to beat the other team. And it, it made it a lot more interesting, but I understand what they're doing now. It's basically for the fans and the home run derby and all that, which makes it exciting to watch. But it was a completely different way of playing the game back then when you played an all-star game. It was it was for everything, and, and it was about uh, – it got bragging rights for a whole year. You, you got to start in your first All-Star game, and you mentioned Johnny Bench, but other starters in that game on your team were Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, and Hank Aaron. So what was it like right. <laughs> to, to, to be in hey, the hey. lineup with that group of people? Like I said, I had to pinch myself, obviously. A guy from Sacramento, California that uh, you know it went through everything and never played high school and was very lucky to get an opportunity to play in the big leagues and then when you look back on it and then you see the guy like a Hank Aaron or Pete Rose, two of the greatest players that ever played and Johnny bench, uh, you know, it, it's almost like a dream. You know, you wake up and you say, man, I can't believe I was in the same locker room with these guys. And, you know, and the more games that I play, it, it sort of bothers me a little bit when I see guys saying, Oh, it's an honor to go, but I don't want to go. Uh, I, like I said, it's a different way now, but, I can't ever imagine making an all-star team and saying, I, I'd rather have the three or four days off. I just, uh, unless you were hurt, obviously, but if, if you were healthy and everything, I, I just think it's a great honor. I mean, next to winning a world series, 
uh, that, that's probably the next best thing, uh, you know, playing in those kind of games with the greatest players of the league that you're lockering next to and that you basically, when you were growing up, you were watching them play. Uh, those are moments that stick in your mind forever. You know, you mentioned uh, the way the game was played back then. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because of not only the way that you played, but the way that you managed. And to talk about a little bit about the fundamentals of baseball. I mean, when I look around the league, not just in the major leagues, but the minor leagues, you see guys that don't know how to run the bases, bunt consistently, move runners over. When you see the way the game is played today, what is your reaction to it? Well, I'm very disappointed in the way the games play because, you know, uh, my job is I'm assistant uh, senior advisor to the GM. So I go to all our home games here in Philly, but then when they go on the road, I go watch our double AA, A, triple A, and A teams. And I- I'm not really, uh, w- when I watch these games, I watch other things besides if a guy's hitting 300 or a pitcher's throwing 98 miles an hour. I mean, you just said it right there. There's no fundamental baseball anymore. Base running, you see every night if you want to turn on the television you see guys running into the house at third base and not knowing how many outs there are don't not throwing to the cutoff man not being able to have a two-strike approach well a guy hits a double and you don't want to bunt him show the show the manager and the coaching staff and the rest of your teammates i'm going to hit a ball to the right side to get him over i don't see any of that and i really you know what i don't blame the players who i blame are the people that are paying the players and telling them you just hit home runs and if you're a pitcher throw 98 and you're going to get paid so you can hit 30 home runs 35 home runs drive in 80 and hit 200 but strike out 180 times and it's okay so we are creating the monster uh i, I don't i don't blame any of the players their agents are telling them hey this is what you got to do to get a payday and that's what you should do when you go down the minor leagues we don't teach guys when i say we i'm talking about the industry we don't teach them how to win a baseball game we teach them how to hit a ball as far as they can, throw it as hard as they can, but we don't teach them the fundamentals of how to win a baseball game. The bottom line is you as a team want to have one more run than the other team that you play. That's the last thing in these guys' mind right now, you know, especially in the minor leagues. They want to impress the front office and say, hey, I hit 30 home runs at A, and I think I'm close to being ready. Even though I struck out 180 times, it doesn't matter. You know, you hear the, the analytics now saying outs and out. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous statement. I've ever heard in my life. Uh, you get a guy on third base, the infield back, put the ball in play. Put the ball in play, get a ground ball. It's an easy RBI. Put your your team on the scoreboard. Uh, but, again, these things are by the wayside now. The game has changed so much that at times, and as much as I love baseball, which I that's been my life and everything I have, I owe to baseball. But I'll be honest with you, it's boring to watch baseball right now. Very boring. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I – took my four-year-old son to his first game on Saturday. And I wanted to ask you about the pace of play. I can get him to sit still for a little while. He's obviously not the ideal fan. He's a little young right now. Right. But what, what do you think about the pace of play in a game? Even I, as an adult, can't sit down for four hours. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> Jason it's, can't sit still for yeah, four hours Yeah, I can't sit either. still for four hours to watch a game. <laughs> and that's like right. on the regular. Right. There are three-plus hours for baseball. Are some of the solutions they're trying helping, or are we just throwing things against the wall, hoping something will stick here? I think you said it right there. I think we're throwing things against the wall and hope something sticks. Uh, you know, you have the walk-up songs. Guys don't want to get in the box till their walk-up songs played. Uh, in the minor leagues, <laughs> you in A-ball, they have a, a rule that says to throw over to first base, 
you have to step off. So whether you're a left-hander or right-hander, you have to step off. And if you don't do it, if you step off twice and the third time you don't get him when you step off, it's called a balk and you go to second base. So these rules that they're incorporating are just, uh, like I said, I don't know who's incorporating them, but uh, if they put these rules in the big leagues, if you talk about a boring game now, it's going to be twice as boring. Uh, Like I said, I think there's a lot of talented players. There's no question in the minors and the big leagues. I just like to see them being taught the right way to play the game. That's all because they're doing exactly what their agents are telling them to do. And that's why they're all shooting for that big payday. And um, that's why we have the game where they're at. There was a a stat that came out just recently that the average for for putting the ball in play. Now this is not to call foul balls, three minutes and 45 seconds before a guy put before this is the average when they put a ball in play. So if you get a base hit, I'm talking about it's either a walk, a strikeout, or if a guy hits a home run, but three three minutes and 45 seconds. And people wonder why defenses are bad. Because you're out there, if you're a shortstop, and you hear ball one, ball two, strike one, strike two, you know, you're on your heels. And all of a sudden, the guy hits you a hard ground ball, and you're not ready for it because the pitcher's working deep counts. He's striking out guys or walking guys. And so that's why you see routine plays that are maybe they're hit hard, but they should be made at the big level. That's why guys make errors now, because oh. of the, the the length of an at bat, the walks and the strikeouts. It's like I said, it's just it, no one's alert, no one's ready for a ground ball to be hit to them. Well, and then it's a question of where they even are on the diamond. The, the, one of the things that Jeff <laughs> dislikes the most is the shift, and shift. he regularly <laughs> rails against that on the show. My question isn't isn't is a shift good or bad, but are do you think that? hitters need to adjust to it or that there needs to be restrictions on the ability to shift where do you come down on that well if you're if you're a big league player you should have the ability to manipulate the bat a little bit now i'm not saying every hitter in the lineup if you've got some power hitters three four five in your lineup and you they're home run hitters you probably don't want them to change their swing but everybody doesn't have 40 home run hitters in the middle of their lineup so the guys the little guys that hit singles and doubles they should be able to manipulate the bat. You know, three years ago, I took a lineup card up to home plate, and one of the umpires in spring training, uh, I was, you know, I go down every spring, and I'm in uniform. So the, uh, the manager asked me to take the lineup card up, so I took it up. And the umpire, who was Joe West, said to me, he says, hey, Bo, when you played, why wasn't there any shifts and everything? I said, because guys like Willie Stargell and Clemente, they could hit a ball the other way anytime they wanted to. You, you played guys like that to pull, but you didn't shift on them. So, and then the thing that, that bothers me is I get it. Once you get to the big leagues, you're probably not going to change your swing. But we should be teaching this in the minor leagues to have a two-strike approach. When you see a wide-open left side of the infield, you should have the ability to hit a ground ball that way. But, again, it reverts back to you're not going to get paid to hit singles. And we want to try to hit that ball over the wall, so we're going to hit it through the shift. And yet you still have guys coming back to the dugout saying, oh, man, if it wasn't for that shift, that would have been a hit. Well, the shift's going to be here unless they ban it, which they they could very easily do that. But you should have the ability as a big league hitter to make an adjustment like that. And there's, there's absolutely no adjustments made, but guys keep complaining about, oh, man, if that guy wasn't there, I would have another 25 or 30 hits a year. So is that so? You know, you have to have that ability. Is that something that can be fixed when when you're 18 years old and you and you get to the minor leagues, or is this something that needs to be 
there needs to be a developmental program that kids, when they're playing AAU baseball or doing all of that stuff, that that's where this all I, needs to start. I think that the younger you, you can you can adjust to that, the better off you're going to be. And, you know, I've watched high school all-star games and that, and they got shifts there too. So I, I think it starts way back then. And uh, like I said, I don't – obviously, I never hit home runs. So <laughs> I had the ability to put the ball in play. But I had no problem. I mean, they they would be outs because they didn't shift on me. If they had a if I hit left handed and there was a whole side of the left left uh, left side open, I got over two thousand hits doing it regularly. I'd probably have three thousand hits because I could hit a ground ball over there anytime I wanted. And to me, that 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 really amazes me that big league hitters that aren't power hitters. I'm I'm going to give the power hitters a break here because hey. They hit 40 home runs. I don't want them hitting a single, basically. But there's not that many guys that hit 40 home runs. So you should have the ability to start an inning off and you see a big big hole on the right side or left side there to hit a ground ball over there. But, again, uh, I don't know. It's the same thing as a two-strike approach. You know, usually a two-strike approach, you spread out a little bit, you let the ball get deeper on you. I've seen guys in the minor leagues have the same swing, whether it's 3-1 and one or 0-2. Oh and, and to me – that's just not teaching, and uh, and shame on whoever. And I'm not blaming when they get to the, the professional baseball. You got that stuff happening in college and high school. Those coaches should be teaching these kids that. So I, I wanted to ask you about the substance crackdown this year in terms of the use on baseballs from pitchers and checking. Uh, how, where, how does this look to you? Did pitchers go too far? Did the league overreact? Where, where do you look at this? Uh, I'm sure they went too far. There's no question about that. You know, the only thing that I disagree with it is it should have been done at the end of the season last year. I, it's hard to do it right in the middle of the season. You either started it after the season ended last year or wait until the season's over this year. You're asking guys to make these adjustments right in the middle of the season, and I think that's very difficult to do. It'd be like me telling a hitter, you can't use pine tar on your bat and you can't use batting gloves starting tomorrow. It'd be an adjustment. And, I, you know, I'm not against what they're doing, but I think the timing of it was a little bit weird because of when it happened. Obviously, it's, it seems like uh, it had an impact on some guys with the spin rate and everything, and their spin rate's not as, as high as it was, and they've been getting hit around a little bit. But uh, I, I do think that there should be some type of substance, whether every team has it. I think every team should have it. And this is what you can use. You don't want to see guys throwing 98 miles an hour not knowing where the ball goes. The guy gets hit in the head, ends his career. It could basically hit him in the right spot. It could kill him. So I, I would like to see something where it's modified a little bit, where especially in April and uh, early May in the East Coast when it's cold. you got to have a little grip on that. But uh, I just think the timing of it was bad. I'm not against what they're doing, but – you know, doing it right in the middle of the season, I thought it made it very difficult for some of the pitchers. All right, well, we got to ask the kid from California who's now gone Hollywood. Uh, what, tell us about, <laughs> t t tell, tell about us a little bit about, I've watched it a couple of times, I love it. What, <laughs> tell us about how you and Charlie Manuel got together and decided that it, it was time to use to, time for you to start your TV career. Well, you know, we, we didn't really suggest to start a TV. Somebody asked us if we do, and we said, yeah, why not? So, you know, we've been doing our jobs, going around the minor leagues and everything for the last couple of years. We've been together a lot. He said, you know what, we could, 
we could do this. And uh, so it's not just all baseball. I mean, we talked to a, a Temple uh, basketball coach and, and uh, we've talked to a, a rowing team. We, we, it's around the city. It's basically, this is a blue collar city and we want to get people to understand that it's not just baseball that loves sports. There's other things involved. And, and so we got involved in a little bit. And uh, in fact, the, one of the shows we had Eddie Wade and Ruben Amaro, two two ex-GMs here for the Phillies, and we talked about the analytics stuff and how they would do it now. And it, it's it's an interesting show. I mean, we have fun with it. Uh, we're by no means uh, stars or anything like that, but we're very recognizable in Philly, and we've had pretty good response to it. And so we have fun with it. Put it that way. It's, we're not trying to break the bank with anything or anything like that. We're just having a bunch of fun. Well, see, for for somebody like me watching the show, part of watching it is you, the relationship between you and Charlie. It, it, it is so clear. I mean, we, look, we, we've seen you at the ballpark. <laughs> I've seen you when we do the sleep out for the Covenant House. You two genuinely right. love being around each other and talking baseball, and it seems like just talking anything. What What is that relationship well, you know meant what? to you? It's a great relationship, and, and I think – one of the things that bond us together is we both love the game of baseball and we both love the game of baseball to be played the right way. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we get from, from people in other organizations or even ours saying, well, you guys are old school. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not into old school, new school. I'm into baseball. You know, we're baseball guys. We like to win. We like to teach fundamentally good sound baseball. And when, no one's talking about when a guy strikes out or a guy hangs a slider. We're not. We're talking about the inability, as you said earlier, fundamental baseball. When you don't see fundamental baseball and you don't know how many outs there are, you throw to the wrong base. That's very annoying for people that have been in baseball a long time. And to me, there's no reason for that. There's. It, we all know this game's hard. It's hard to hit. It's hard to pitch. It's hard to play the game. But the easiest thing to do is not make mental mistakes. And if you're into the game like you should be, mental mistakes should be at a minimum every single night. The physical stuff, hey, that's all going to happen. We're all human. We're going to make errors. We're going to strike out. But the other part of the game is lack of concentration as far as I'm concerned. When you, when you see guys not knowing how many outs there are or guys hitting a ground ball to short and halfway they break it down, there's no need for that. The easiest thing to do on a baseball field is to give 100%. I try to tell these young kids, all the other stuff's hard. The easiest thing to do is play hard and hustle and respect your teammates and respect the other team. And that's basically when we, Charlie and I get together, that's all we talk about is baseball. You know, we're, we're baseball lifers. We love the game of baseball. And I, even though it's hard to watch now, I still, baseball is, I still love, love the game of baseball. Now, some of the things that are happening I don't like, but I still love the game of baseball. Well, we hope that people keep their head in the game as much as you do and always appreciate the time you give us to break these things down. Larry, thanks so much for joining us, and you take care of yourself. All right, guys, you take care and have a great day. Jeff, uh, he's speaking you. <laughs> I know. Well, that, that, he was channeling his inner that, Jeff Cohen there. That, that's why I love having him on. I mean, he, he you know, when when you and I sit there off air, and and complain i could use a worse word but complain about <laughs> the fundamentals of baseball because you and i both love baseball and and i'm a little older than you i know you're gonna say you're gonna say no duh but i don't even have uh, to say those right. comments anymore you but just make them yourself he, in anticipation yeah but but the but the era of baseball that i grew up on 
was watching that all-star team. You know, that, that was my youth, was watching Johnny Bench and Larry Boa and Mike Schmidt and Dave Kingman and, and, and all of these guys who knew how to play baseball the right way. And, and the idea that we now have, like I've said this, I think, on the show before, Dave Kingman was ahead of his time. Because now Dave Kingman would be a perennial all-star making $30 million a year. Designated hitter. Exactly. He, th- that guy back then was like, you know, he would hit 220, but he would have 35, 40 home runs. Everybody's that role and, player now. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that got Dave Kingman on the bench at times. And, and nowadays he would be a star with batting 220. And he, I'm sure his launch angles would be wonderful to watch and all of that other stuff. But it, it amazes me. So I, w- I went to two games last weekend. One was the Oakland A's, and the other one was the San Francisco Giants. And the Oakland A's did not employ this shift as much as I've seen most teams do it. And maybe that's part of the reason I like that game so much. But then I got to watch the San Francisco Caplers. <laughs> and and it's, not that they do, it's not that they do the shift every batter. It's that they change the shift every pitch (laughs) and it is brutal to watch and as you're sitting there watching and as somebody who coached travel baseball when kids are younger the thought that an entire half of the field is empty right in front of the batter is baffling to me i'm I'm having a hard enough time explaining to my four-year-old that everybody stands in their particular position and base while we're in the stadium so you can see it all how would I explain Gabe Kapler's shifting pattern? You you cannot four year old. You like my, the San the Francisco third baseman Ka- is out in the outfield. Is I mean people are all over the yeah, place. Yeah, and, and I guess people can say, well, the Giants are in first place, so he must be doing something right. No, this is the wrong way to play baseball. And and if if your kid and kids are now seeing this, that it this is the way to become a major league baseball player. That means even more kids are going to do that instead of the right thing. And, and, and this the fundamental thing, which is, which is why I said to you, hey, the guy that I want to have, there were two people I really wanted to have on, Jamie Moyer, and I'm still going to see if we can get him back again because, I mean, he, what do you think of Jamie Moyer besides being around and being a great pitcher for so long in the World Series is, is him yelling at the guy in a pop-up to catch it with two hands. Yeah, Simple things. And, and Larry Boa said the one thing that drives me nuts, too, is that physical mistakes happen. There's nothing you can do about that. Mental mistakes are completely preventable. And, and not doing the fundamentals is preventable. Being able to bunt a baseball, if you work on it for 10 minutes a day in the cage, is not that difficult. And it is baffling that guys go up there and, and they go to bunt and – they put their hands in front of the bat, which is how you break your fingers, by the way, and they have the bat too high or they have the bat behind the plate, and then they wonder why they can't lay down a bunt. In fairness, my, my son is growing up a Phillies fan, so he thinks the pitcher exists to serve up a home run so you can go to the bullpen to bring in another pitcher that will serve up another home run. Okay, well, that's that's <laughs> not good. That's we like, not we good. put on the game, and it's the third inning, and he goes, when are they going to the bullpen, Daddy? So it's not going well, this education process. But yeah, I did but, enjoy— But it's not just the Phillies. This, this, is an, this is an entire league that has a mentality of not teaching people to do things the right way, and it, it should start at least when you're paying them from the moment that you draft them or bring them into your organization— it's, the minor leagues are supposed to be developmental. I just—they're not supposed to be showcased. And, and and the one thing, 
And I, and I now kick myself that I didn't ask Larry the question. Larry's like, in the minor leagues, they're showcasing themselves. And I'm sitting there going, wait a second. Larry Bow is in, 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 and Charlie Manuel are sitting there watching, paid by the Phillies, and don't they want to impress them? And, and, and isn't Larry Bow going to go back? Because you know he is, and he's going to go to the guys in the organization and go, hey, I just saw a guy down there who does everything right. you got to get him up here. Because there's enough guys on this team. Do you need Jankowski on this team? Do you really need him? He's played better than some other players they've had no, on the no, team. No, 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 but that's not – I'm asking you seriously. It, I'm answering do, seriously. Do, do you need a guy who doesn't know how to run a base? That's a problem. Yeah. But then look at Alec Bowen, though. And, 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 well, that's, see, but that's another one, and, and, and that's, the, that's a bigger problem within this but organization. none of this is surprising. You and I have followed the minor leagues, and there were always questions about his ability to play third base. From the moment they drafted him. Well, but that's but the the fact that he can't that he's not a good defensive third baseman is it. First of all, he's a physical anomaly, and as a guy who's tall, I can tell you. Yeah, I have that, no experience with that. that. <laughs> yeah, you'd be perfect for playing third base. But <laughs> Short people it, corner. Be, the the taller you are is an infield position. The lower you have to get your body, and and you will very soon see if you have your son play t-ball and little league is that the, the biggest problem is getting a kid to put his glove on the ground Can I ask you a and question? to get it dirty what's and his the excuse ball... on the pop-up then he's closer to the ball than anybody well that part that part i can't <laughs> tell you but he was destined not to be a great third baseman but he's not a great hitter let's talk phillies for a couple minutes before we hit the break and then we'll talk everything else sports afterwards the phillies won five of seven this week they're 42 and 43, 18 and 27 on the road. Yeah. Took three or four against the Cubs, first time since 2017. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You buying or selling? Selling. What? Anything, anything anybody wants. You selling Wheeler? Yep. So you're just fire sale, uh, take this, it. This, I got nothing. This, this team, well, look, they can try buying. Because I'd buy if I could buy a bullpen. Well, that's the problem. You're not one like everybody keeps saying. Go out and get uh, uh, the guy from the Cubs, and, and I'm sitting there going, "That's one guy. The one guy is not the answer Kimbrough, to this bullpen. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not the entire answer to the bullpen. Everybody in this bullpen has been a disaster. Yes, except for Ranger Suarez, your new closer. No, but he's had some problems too. And Ranger doesn't. It, Ranger's not going to light it did up over a long period of think, time. Did you ever think that I would say Ranger Suarez baseball closer? You've watched Ranger Suarez since he first appeared in this system. I, I saw Ranger Suarez in his first double-A game, and he, he was a good pitcher in the minor leagues, but he is not a closer. He doesn't have closer stuff. Doesn't have closer stuff. Vito, what's your comment before we hit the break? Um, I was trying to find the numbers. I don't have his exact numbers, what he's doing down in Lehigh Valley, but one solution just to throw out there within, how about J.D. Hammer? No. He's, no, he's already had his time up here. He's and Jeff and but I have, just because you had one shot. That's no, it? I'm telling Jeff, you, Jeff and I have Jeff and I have talked to him. We've watched him. He's not a closer. He I'm may be. He may be an arm in the bullpen, but at which they need because Neftali Feliz was not your answer, and neither was the <laughs> other gas cans that they're bringing out to throw on this baseball team to not be able to hold any lead and, possible and, and, and blow saves multiple times in one game. They've blown 22 saves this year, Jeff. The record in baseball is 25. Here, here's what here's what, their own here's, franchise record? here's what I say to Alvarado, okay? If I want to see Alvarado, I will turn on Major League the movie, okay? <laughs> I do not, You've never I liked do, Alvarado. I do not. 
no, I told you this at the beginning of the season. I don't care if he could throw 110 miles an hour. He can't hit the broad side of the barn Here, most times. Here's my thing. They have to commit one way or the other. If you're going to sell. No, you don't. You, no, if you're no gonna, you don't. You do. Why? Because, because otherwise you're going to stay in this sense of mediocrity. Yes. Either you're committing to sell yeah. and you're saying, I'm taking all my assets. I'm taking my Zach Wheeler, who <laughs> is the thing that I have the most value for. Do you know what you're suggesting? What? You know what you're suggesting, you just won't say it. The process. Yes. We're going to get to how the process <laughs> failed after the break. <laughs> Stick with us and we'll come right back. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, we uh, one of our favorites printed a column this week talking about, well, not a column. He had a story. Yeah. The Process is a Failure by Keith Pompey. Yeah. I felt like it could have been written by Jeff Cohen. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, no, to be I, fair, it could have been written by almost anybody. But I, mean, I feel let, like it's, it's um, I, and I know that you have talked to Keith, your opinions, mm -hmm. and Keith obviously is on top of this all, but it's basically the text chain you've been sharing with me since we started doing the show together. <laughs> <laughs> if you read the story and go point by point, it yeah. takes up like he got everything in there. The failed draft picks, mm -hmm. the position they're in going forward, the other teams that are playing so well right now. What stood out most from you and do you agree with his assessment? Oh, I totally I 100 percent agree with his assessment. And, and, and the interesting part of that article was is that Elton Brand agreed with that. I was shocked he went on the record and did that. Yeah. He doesn't go on the record much to begin with. No. To go on the record and say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. But but I, look, you, you just look at it. The whole point of the process was to tank for multiple years in order to accumulate draft picks in order to draft good players. Great players was supposed to be it because you were supposed to be so bad you were drafting at the top of the draft. And after that entire process, all you have to show for this, the only thing, is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And that's eight lottery picks from 2013 to 2018. That you can't you can't have that kind of poor record in drafting if your plan is to accumulate assets to draft. What's the biggest mistake? They made a lot of them. Was it taking Okafor, Okafor over Porzingis? No, 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 now Okafor was number 2. Because Keith number one was Mark Helpful. But Keith seems to argue that the beginning of the downfall mm -hmm. was the choice to take Okafor over Porzingis because yes. it didn't give you that one two that you needed with Embiid and Porzingis. Instead, right. you had two people at the same mm -hmm. position. I think. Well, remember Embiid wasn't completely healthy. At that I think Fultz too. set them back further than that because of what they gave away in capital, who Boston got, and what they did not get, which was anything. You could have st stood pat, gotten Jason Tatum. And another first round pick. And they and, and instead you got Markel Fultz, which I you know, yeah, we can all go back in time and say this didn't work because of what we've now seen. But even when Fultz was drafted, there was no clear consensus that Fultz was the guy. Exactly. And so they went out on a limb and boy did they market it 
up the wazoo. I mean, they had they had like those. Yeah, there used to be the calendar at the TV and, station. Oh, 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 at, the, at the radio station. My son, in when, the we were, studio. when we were packing up the house, found one of those posters that it was Simmons and Bede and Markel Fultz, and, oh. and and they marketed. Is Embiid going to be the only one left here next season? I think so. I think it, I, I I think they have to do it. Um, I, I don't because I don't think that Ben Simmons fit. Forget all the problems that he have in the playoffs. I don't think he fits. As long as he's not going to shoot, you can't have the guy who's touching the ball the most out of every 24 seconds, who's also not a threat. And that's the problem is he's not a threat when he has the ball in his hands, except in, in those. He has these moments every couple of games where he'll slash to the hoop and he will violently dunk the ball, and then he will flex. And you go, yeah, that's what we want to see. And then he that's doesn't. what everybody wanted with four minutes left in the game when he passed it off. Yeah, but he's he doesn't seem to have. You know, everybody has their own nature, and his nature doesn't seem to be to want to be the alpha. And and while you you don't want to have a whole bunch of alphas that are fighting over the ball, you've got to at least want the ball. You've got to at least show that this is something that you want to do. Not not only did he not want the ball, he actively got rid of the ball. So uh, so I'll ask you a question. Don't ask me questions. So of those eight, where does at this point on this day, after you watch la- yesterday's game, where does the Mikel Bridges trade rank on, on that? Mess. In fairness, you and I hated it from the second that they did it. I think most people did because he, yeah. he didn't fit. You brought in another 3 and D guy that wasn't really and a And Mikael Bridges was exactly what you needed mm-hmm. as the fit there. Yeah. Like, it looks worse and worse by finals he game. Had 27 <laughs> points. The Suns are making the Bucks look silly. Now, you didn't think Giannis would come back and play. He was no. no he's 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 the Greek freak for another reason now. Because yeah. there's nobody that didn't wasn't watching that live that didn't say, "Well, there goes next season for him." Forget the rest of the playoffs. It was is he going to be the same guy after that? And and for him to come back and play and score over forty points last night, he, you got to give him credit, even though he can't shoot yeah, free throws. Look, and that's the funny thing, you know. Not all criticism is the same. I, Giannis keeps shooting. And by the way, <laughs> doesn't matter how many times he misses, he keeps playing aggressive, and he's there for his team. And and and, and you got to give Giannis credit because he's helping math in the United States. Because now people, everybody knows to... how to count to ten. <laughs> I actually think he uses it to like set his shot and get himself in a rhythm. He, he should just walk up there and shoot. It's one of those things, free throw shooting is repetition. So him standing there only gets in his own head. If he just walks up there, takes the ball, and shoots it, I guarantee you he'll do better. You know who else uh, looks very good with Phoenix right now? Who? Monty Williams. Yeah. I mean, the, did Apparently you see the, he can coach. Did you see the exchange with him and DeAndre Ayton at, towards the end of the game where Ayton made a mistake and he basically like gave him a pep talk, told him to get back out there, and said, look me in the eye, like... Totally calm. I mean, that's what you want to see from a coach. I was just surprised they actually captured it and put it on the air. But he has been a difference in this series in terms of the decisions he has made coaching. And they have absolutely outplayed the Bucks as they head back to Milwaukee. Monty, Monty Williams has done a great job, but they have two coaches on that team. Yeah, Chris Paul. The, the Chris Paul is the other coach. And, and for, you what? know, I never, I never, when I heard the name Chris Paul, it never crossed my mind until very recently that, that this is a Hall of Famer. Just snap your fingers, Chris Paul, Hall of Fame. Don't. Now I look at him, 
and and what he's doing. And it's not just this year. You go back and look at his career, and he's been this kind of leader. Did the Sixers try to do something like that when they brought in Jimmy Butler, though? Like, did they try to find no, that's that a diff- guy? That's, that, well, that's different. J- Jimmy Butler was going to be the fire igniter. Okay, he was literally going to pour gasoline all over the place, and he was just going to light it and hope that everybody reacted well. Uh, Jimmy Butler's not the Chris Ball, Paul. The way he he is a coach on the floor. Jimmy Butler is somebody who knows the game of basketball, plays it really hard, and expects everybody to play it as hard as he does. Chris Paul's out there teaching as he's playing, and that is rare to have somebody learning. The reason. Aiton is as good as he is, as early in his career is, is because of the coaching that he gets off the court and just as important, if not more, the coaching he's getting from Chris Paul on on how to run that pick and roll precisely the way he does. Uh, Look, the Sixers had problems against that pick and roll all playoffs. Everybody is. It's unstoppable. And and they they don't just do it with Chris Paul. They also do it with Devin Booker. So yes. to, to be able to run the pick and roll with multiple players, and then, by the way, to have the kind of other leadership in Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder is, he's not a guy who's lighting up the scoreboard. And they're but not he's a team, getting clutch plays they're, everywhere. They're not a team who did a process. They were out of the playoffs for 11 years, but they decided to make that move to bring Chris Paul in and put him with that young talent that they drafted. But they went young. They just didn't tank. And, okay, so and, and and they're doing it now. I mean, look, our our former homie, and Dario Saric, now with an injury now. That, but he that's that's really well. tough because he was playing well, and now the Suns. The Suns were not a deep team. That's the one you ever thing think they were. Dario would get a ring before the Sixers. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty clear. I don't see how the Bucks come back from this. I know that they've only lost the they first two games on the way. They do, and Drew Holiday has not played well in this series. No, at he all. has not. Neither and, has Chris and, Middleton. And he should be dumb. Well, th- Chris Middleton, can you imagine if he were in Philadelphia? People would be so frustrated by him. I don't know how you cannot be. He has all of this skill. He can have games where he lights it up, and then all of a sudden he has these disaster games. And the weird thing is, if you go by, I, I don't have the stats on it, but it appears that both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have not learned how to play with Giannis yet. That when he's not out there, they seem to play a lot better, especially Holiday. And Holiday and, and Giannis better learn how to play together because I They're think they have out another of time th- this season. Yeah, but I think they have four or five more years together. And Holiday, if he continues to be aggressive instead of deferring to Giannis, I think that that team gets exponentially better, even if they don't bring anybody in. I think they need a center next year because I think Lopez is. Is done. He's done. He's getting abused yeah. in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you enjoying watching the NBA playoffs? Yeah, without the Sixers? I am. Okay. More, more than I thought I would. All right. Yeah, mo- as much more than the Eastern Conference Finals. Like I, I had a really hard time watching the Bucks, and but I, but I think it's the reason I like this more, even though the Bucks are in it, is because the Suns are actually fun to watch. They are, a, and they're they're all time Showtime basketball. They're very fun to watch. And, play and for those that are too young to know Showtime, that meant the Lakers. I know what you were talking <laughs> about there, though. So that wasn't directed at me, Jeff. Um, okay, so NBA playoffs you're into. Do you yeah. watch NHL playoffs at all? Of course. I'm watching. I'm asking Jeff, Jeff Cohen's hockey or his uh, TV watching routine right now. 
Um, so you, you were into the hockey playoffs? Yes. I, I thought it was spectacular hockey. I, I wish Montreal could have forced a couple more games out of it. Vasilevsky is so good. <laughs> Look, the Lightning are so good. and and Yeah, you're a little jealous that uh, it's I, Tampa I did, Bay. I did storm into this the studio right beforehand and said to you, can we move to Tampa? Because apparently they have the reigning Super Bowl champion, the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champions, and they have a pretty darn good baseball team. I love, the. first of all, I enjoyed the Twitter trash talk between the Stanley Cup and Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. We're too happy for you to throw us. And Tom Brady responded, <laughs> everything's possible after a little tequila. So I thought it was, and, and he's much more entertaining now that he's not in New England anymore, by the way. Yeah, yeah he did, well, he doesn't have to be under Belichick. So but, all of a sudden, his personality started to come out. But I've told you a few times, my favorite sports celebration is the Stanley Cup. That, I want to see the Flyers raise it in yeah, my the lifetime. Odd th the odd thing is, you, you told me that your big thing is you like the handshake, but now because of uh, the last year and a half, no more handshake. I love that they beat each other's brains in for seven games and stand there and show each other respect afterwards. Well, in this case, only five games. Five games, yes. yeah. But I, I do enjoy sort of the, the handshake line. I'll, I'll give Vito one more because he's a hockey guy, and then we'll move on. Well, no, the thing about it is they found themselves a loophole with after the winning the Cup last year, Kucherov went and had uh, hip surgery. Yeah, they were able to keep him. He was out, and he was on long-term IR all year. And then you get to the playoffs, there's no salary cap. You bring him back, and then they end up like $9 well, million the, dollars over the cap. The larger, the, the larger problem is the Flyers didn't have anybody like Kucherov in the first place to bring back later, so they didn't have a shot at that. Uh, look, the, the fact is the Lightning are the best team from top to bottom. They are. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stick with Jeff Cohen TV viewing habits for 100. Uh, oh, are we going to go to College World Series? Because I did watch that, too. Uh, okay, College World Series. Did, <laughs> you, did, we, we don't need to talk about that. I did watch the uh, College World other Series. Than I, I know that surprises you, you not at all. Uh, although the, probably the, the most frustrating play, again, fundamentals in college baseball, there are none. Um, yeah. It is to watch a guy miss a pop-up in the sun and his glasses are hanging off the back <laughs> of his head. The, they're literally on the other side of his head. But he's got the eye black, Jeff, there, so he should be totally fine, right? Like, like how do you then run into the dugout? Well, like, how do you say to coach, you know, Coach, I lost it in the sun. What the answer to that is, hey, dummy, they're, they're on the back of your head. All right, so Jeff Cohen viewing <laughs> habits. We are 14 days from the Olympics starting. If they hold an Olympics and nobody is there to see it, did they hold an Olympics? Yes, it doesn't matter. Are you going to Unlike be... most sports, uh, the Olympics you can hold. Yes, it is cooler to see that. But if you think about it, I, I guess the Summer Olympics, there are more fans. The Winter Olympics... Because it's outdoors and stuff, there are fans there, but you don't really notice it as much. You don't notice it for skiing or bobsledding other than when people are shaking their cowbells, right? So the Summer Olympics, I guess it matters more, but the fact that they're still able to have it and the world gets to watch it, I think, is more important. And, and Tokyo is doing what they need to do to get this under control. Do you have a sport that you look for in the Olympics? I'm not a Summer Olympics person. I really no. am not. I mean, I enjoy the Winter Olympics, I think, more but I surprised you with what I enjoy in the Olympics. Yes. So um, So you want me to ask you, what's your favorite sport in the Summer Olympics? I like to watch the gymnastics. You, you know, you know what we should what we should have done is that should have been one of our one of our questions because we have to give away we're gonna give away tickets this week. That's right. Let's talk about the right. tickets we're so, gonna give away and then we'll get back so, to the gymnastics. So, so if some well, if somebody can remember what Jason after the show, the first person to to tweet back at us. Um, or on, I guess on Facebook Live, you're the social media guy, so you say how you want to do it. 
is who can say what Jason's favorite sport to watch in the Summer Olympics is. Yes, and what do we have if somebody... Because that's, that's something we want to tweet, perpetuate. <laughs> tweet at the heart of sport what my favorite sport is and, in the and, Olympics. And, and, and what, what are, are we going to do? What do they get if they actually tweeted us, Jeff? So, so last week, we had Dick Vermeil on, and Dick Vermeil is one of the hosts of... Can you say it for me? Uh, Concord Elegance. <laughs> Come on, and Jeff, get and this. Here, here's, here's the tickets, and you can get you'll get two a pair of tickets to the Concord de Elegance to I the car right? show happening yep. 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturday, July 17th, 2021, from 10 to 3, and we'll be there too. We will be. Yeah. Um, you're apparently making friends with Dick Vermeil. I I see. Um, I I got to tell you. So <laughs> I, I, you, as as you know, I went out to see a couple baseball games, a Giants game and an A's game. So that was something else to check off. We only have five more stadiums, and then we're done. What are the five um, stadiums you have left? Uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Toronto, which we can't get to, and Anaheim. So you've got five left, and I've got one started. Okay, yeah. cool. We're good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and and so we we also played Half Moon Bay golf. Yeah, and then we went. Uh, after having Dick Vermeil on, he was nice enough to invite me to his his tasting room. He has this beautiful vineyard with these amazing wines. And yeah, I'm so jealous. We got to we got to taste those wines and 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 get to see one of his other passions. Which I mean, he talked here about his passion for community and football. And and by the way, the Super Bowl trophy is there. So, did you like go over and check it out? And no, I mean, you and I have have had the chance to hold the Eagles trophy. So. Um, it's not the trophy I'd prefer to hold, but but the Rams trophy was pretty cool because I mean uh, I'll always remember that team as the greatest show on turf. I, I see how you take this show. You get yourself out to a winery. Yeah, that's my that's my it's grand. A, that plan. was exactly your plan when we had Dick on. Yeah, and but but he does he does have a, his 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 vineyard produces amazing wines. I mean, well, and and the car show obviously goes to help chop and the great work that they're doing there. So want to make sure to publicize that. We'll put that out on social media if you want to retweet that and. Tag us in the car show at Cool Cars for Kids. Uh, we'll make sure if you want to DM us afterwards, we can work on maybe getting you some tickets. We have a couple pairs to give away. Right, Jeff? Yeah. So I told you I like gymnastics. Um, did I tell you why I like gymnastics? You did, but I, I prefer that the world not hear it from me. I used to do gymnastics, Jeff. Do you believe this? <laughs> do you have so, a fun visual so, now of me like well, tumbling? No, well, well, to, be, a, to be fair, you said it. you did it when you were three. How long did you do it? Uh, for a couple of years, I did until I was like six or seven. Then I got into soccer. And oh other well, stuff. I I did gymnastics till I was six too. It was called falling over. Uh, no, no, there's definitely <laughs> pictures of me in short shorts jumping <laughs> on a trampoline in the mall somewhere uh, when I was like you, three you, years old. Did you have like sequin like the whole thing? No, not like no? that. It was just like red short shorts with a white shirt. Did you, did you like do the chalk thing with your hands and stuff? I don't remember any of this. Oh, come stuff on, at this yes point. you do. It's like forty years ago. How good were you? Not good. What was your world record? No, actually, I wasn't bad, but yeah. not good. <laughs> So generally the story of my life. I'm right. not bad, well, but I'm well, not good. I don't mean to offend anybody, but we're talking about something that as far as I'm concerned isn't a sport. I did want to ask you. Be- a- and it's not because I don't think that those people are amazing at what they do. And you don't like judges. I don't like judges. Yes. I think that anything that involves a judge that makes it that objective or no subjective, it, it does it, it. To me, it's especially when you see what some of those judges do. It oh. just makes it so hard to swallow that that there isn't a better way to do it. We talk a lot of the mental side of sports. I wanted to ask you, when we interviewed Matt Stutzman, the armless archer, mm-hmm. he talked about the advantage he has because people always stare at him. He's used to it. And so when there's fans there staring at him, mm-hmm. he's more comfortable than the average person. 
And you, you had that same advantage when you were doing gymnastics? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Well, so where are you going with this? <laughs> who gets an advantage from no fans being there at the Olympics of these athletes? Like, you see some athletes that are pulling out because there's no fans. Is it more pressure? On whoa, 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 whoa. Who's pulling? Who's not Australian going to Australian tennis star Nick Kyrgios confirmed oh, that he's withdrawing whoa. from the Olympics, okay. saying a ban on spectators attending the events was a factor behind his decision. Okay, well, go go look up Nick Kyrgios and see whether or not he's the guy that you want to follow. Yes, I didn't yeah, say okay. you would want to follow him, yeah. but who else? Who does it? I don't know. The one is enough for me. Uh, who does it impact he more? And he's that, a profession. He's a he's a professional athlete. Those guys shouldn't it, be in the Olympics anyway. Is it more pressure that nobody's in the stadium now and you're performing in complete silence or less? No, I don't think it's more pressure. I think it might be less fun for the athletes, but I don't think it's more pressure for them. Why would there be more pressure if there's less eyes on them? I don't know, just the awkward silence of the stadium. Well, I mean, but haven't haven't we? Uh, oh God, are we going to go into? Are we going to go to piped in sound again? No, I hope Is not. That we're going to get no. <laughs> that I don't want to hear. Oh, I'll turn off no. the sound. Oh, Jeff, that's terrible. Have you been wa- uh, back to your TV watching habits? Have you been watching Wimbledon tennis at all? I have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I got to tell you, over the years, I have uh, I've never been like a Roger Federer fan, but is there a classier? person in all of sport than Roger Federer. Slipped on the grass yesterday. That grass there has been a huge story with people getting injured and going out of the tournament. But, uh, okay, so ever since I was a little kid, you would see people sliding on the grass. I I mean, it's not not new. Did you ever play on grass? Yes. Did you play on clay? Yes. They're very different courts to play on. And I sucked on both. Well, I mean, that's generally a yeah. common theme for most of the things you So can we talk do. about something where I haven't watched it on TV because it's not on right oh, now? Oh, I thought you were going to say, can we talk about something well, you no, don't suck No, college football? Yeah, we can talk Cause, college cause, football. Because this whole NIL thing yeah, is you're... really starting. Like, we talked about it last if, week If you with missed Aaron. it, you can yeah. listen to our interview back with Aaron talking about the implications of the decision. But, Jeff, you texted me this week. Here comes the bad stuff. Okay. Here, and, 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 again, this is not the student-athlete's fault. But you knew that the boosters and, and the predators were going to come in. And that's what they are. And, and you now have, and it's going to happen at almost every big school now, but you now have the U has a guy who's now going to pay every single football player to, spon- to, to somehow sponsor his gym. Yes. Tell Five, me, $500 a player tell per me, month. Tell me your skin didn't crawl when you heard it. I wasn't surprised. No, I'm, that's not my question. Get off the fence. Does it make your screen crawl? Or are you okay with it? No, not anymore. You're not. You're okay with it. I, I don't have a choice. No, no. no. You, you have a choice to have I don't an opinion. Have a, I don't have a problem with them getting paid. I don't like that there isn't any uniformity in how this is going to work. So in Miami, they've got a gym coming to them. Right. In Michigan, they'll have a car dealership coming to them. I know. In Texas, they'll have so, something but, else. But see, That's I, what gets me. Right. But so I'm not saying I'm not blaming this on the student athlete. They should be able to make money. Inherently, off what's sleazy mm-hmm. about them being paid to advertise a gym that's, if they work out that's there? That's. N- because they're not going to. Why not? Have you not seen how boosters work? I understand how boosters okay, work. Okay, so what's going to happen is you're going to have wealthy boosters that are just going to be throwing money at people just like back in. It's not like it hadn't happened before. It used to be before that rule was people would mow people's lawns for $500 and wouldn't even show up to mow them. All right, but you're the lawyer. How That's can this be stopped now? I mean, we talked about it with Aaron last week. Depending on the state, 
Well, if, if the, the Cory Brookers of the world don't get their acts together and make sure that, that, that there is some national law where there's governance of this to make sure that the student-athlete isn't getting preyed that's, on, that's the problem. That's the problem is because the framework this, for this. The universe, the, the athletic departments aren't going to do this They're they're going because they don't want to get in trouble. So they're going to go, okay, Look, if nobody tells them they can't do it, we're not, we're not going to get in their way. It's attractive for an athletic department for people to be able to say, come here and somebody will pay you. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to stop doing that. So, so think They about, just don't want to get I'm, their hands dirty when it happens. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying, okay, so let's, let's just pick like one state. You go to New York. You have Syracuse, and then you have St. John's, okay? And, and there's a lot more boosters that are going to be at Syracuse. and if That's going to be a part of the recruiting. Ex- Why go to exactly. St. John's when you can get this at Syracuse? Exactly. But it doesn't that— And it's going to happen, it's going to happen that, at all these big schools. Didn't that used to happen when schools were recruiting and say, Why go play at this school when you can be on national TV here? It's, it's the yeah, next but, level but, but of it. But the national TV debate went away because there's so many channels and everybody can get on. But So now, now you're doing it again. And I, I know the counter-argument to this is it was just happening. It was just— happening behind the scenes that doesn't make it right and it doesn't make it right that you're preying on these guys because if if they're if they get like the guys at university of miami the 500 dollars is not going to change their life but it is going to make them beholden and it is going to start with the other thing is you're going to see the students turning on each other too that's the other thing that's going to happen because somebody's going to get a bigger endorsement than somebody else exactly and they're all working the same amount of time there's still so the guy next to you in the locker room who who has spent the exact same amount of time in the weight room and the exact same amount of time on the field, the exact same amount of time in, in practice is all of a sudden going to get handed a bunch of money. So now it's not going to be in paper bags and it's not going to be yellow sports so, cars. So I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to hate this. What's to stop somebody in high school now from going to court and using this same argument? There's nothing to stop them. Like, why can you know? No, you're, you're but, not giving me a but, right. But to, what was the what was the big question? Because you can be asked? social media influencers and get paid for that right. with a younger demographic. Mm-hmm. And if you're a star in a high school and somebody wants to get in there, there's not. And quite frankly, there's nothing wrong with it. Just to, just there's no reason to call anybody an amateur anymore. That's the, that's gone. Remember, that's what I asked Aaron last week. It's like, okay, so now define amateurism. There really is no amateurism anymore. And, and I'm okay with that because I now. I've I've now seen how the European model of sports works and said, okay, if people don't want to go to college, that's fine. The problem is is the predatory aspect of this. And that's what worries me, is that I I have a kid and I, I now see how the, the brain works of a teenager. Okay. And I'm not just saying my kid. I'm afraid of that. I've read enough books about this. It is that they go for what's what's in front of them that looks appetizing. And so you have 18-year-olds with no life experience and 16-year-olds with no... I mean, there there is a kid today, I think it was, who's committed. He's a 2023 high school graduate who signed with a professional basketball organization instead of going to... The, his final schools were like Kentucky and Michigan. Well, don't they have the Ignite now and the G League? Yeah, no, and... but this is a different thing now. Okay, so you, you, my problem is, is that these kids are going to be puffed up to do all of this. And they're going to take this money, and it's not going to help them, and they're going to be preyed on. And that's why government needs to get involved to make sure that they're protected, not to stop them from doing it, not to stop them from making or earning money off of their name, image, and likeness, but to make sure they're not preyed upon.
What's your hope they actually do that in our last 40 seconds? Because I don't have hope that I don't that's have the hope in it. From, from and what I don't we're have seeing, hope the NCAA does anything about it because they don't want to be bothered. There will be no NCAA. A couple more years, that's gone. Well, I was going to say, what does the NCAA the, matter the big, anymore? The big schools with the big boosters and the big money are going to break off. That's what's going to happen. So We've what, heard it for years, and now now there's the, the reason for it is right in front of you. Well, I mean, look, there's going to be more revenues with the expansion of college football playoff, mm-hmm. all those things. Jeff, any final thoughts? Ten seconds left? Uh, no. That was a nothing. very profound yeah. ending. Glad nothing. you brought that to the table. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join <laughs> us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.